Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Psalms 39 and verse 1. And as I said this morning, I want to share with you this evening about the taming of the tongue or the discipline action that is needed for us to control the tongue. But first, let's pray. Father, we delight ourselves in your presence tonight, expecting the Holy Ghost to be our teacher and guide and to instruct us in the way of righteousness and truth. I thank you for making my tongue as the pen of a ready writer to proclaim with boldness and accuracy the knowledge of the truth that will make us free. And Father, we'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory for all that's achieved among us in every life. In Jesus' name, amen. We are told that the just are to live by faith. Well, we are the just, and we are to live by faith. You do believe that, amen? And in order to have a successful life of faith, we shared some important essentials. There has got to be a strong, earnest desire, an appetite for it. If you're not hungry for something, then you're not going to pursue it. You're not going to seek after it like you need to, with ardent zeal. We also went on to say that you've got to make a decision. And when a person makes a decision, he exerts the most powerful force in his own life. He makes a decision to do something, and there is no return from the decision that he makes. And we talked about how Lucifer made a decision, and this world has been affected by that decision ever since. God still is in the process of bringing, of course, that to an end, but it hasn't been accomplished yet. We understand that day will come. And so your decision is so important. What you choose in life is so important. So if you choose to have a strong faith life, you can have one. If you make a decision to do so, you can be victorious in that area. You can use these same principles or essentials in any area of life. For example, healing. You've got to desire it. You've got to make a decision. And then there has to be a design. We talked about Jesus being our pattern to follow after or our design. And when it comes to faith or the taming of the tongue, etc., Jesus obviously is our example, and He gave us instruction in the Word. Now, He Himself followed the Father's example. He said, I only do what my Father does, and I only say what my Father said. So He, he followed His Father's pattern and example and was successful in His life. Then we said we have to have determination, and that is a fixed purpose or an established heart. And we saw in Psalms 112 that the person who is established and fixed will not be moved in adversity. And adversity will come. In other words, there will be attacks on our lives to get us to stop from pursuing and reaching our goals. But thanks be to God, we don't have to be moved and we don't have to be afraid of evil tidings, as the psalm said. When evil reports come our way, praise God, we can still rise up trusting in the Lord God that we serve. So one must be determined and have his purpose fixed and have his heart established so as to maintain the course that he's on right on to victory. And then we said, after determination comes discipline. That's really what brings us to tonight's message, discipline. And discipline involves training. Everyone needs to be trained. 
we all need to be trained in the things of God. And without proper training, we may want certain things as far as our Christian experience is concerned and desire those things, but sometimes we don't even realize that when we're asking for those things, we've got to be trained up a proper way so that we can experience the fullness of what God has for us. And when it comes to developing a strong faith life, whether or not we want to admit it, recognize it or realize it, the tongue has got to be trained and the heart has got to align with the mouth so that we can have strong faith. And that involves a process. It's not an easy matter. But the potential is there. I believe the potential is there in every human life. Everyone who was born again has a measure of the God kind of faith and can develop that faith to its fullest potential if we'll only do so. And then, of course, after, after discipline, we said diligence is absolutely required, and that means we've got to do it on a consistent basis. We can't hit and miss. You can't expect to get results in spiritual matters if you only do things once a month. How many of you found that to be true? Glory to God. You've got to be consistent and do it constantly. Same thing with exercise or anything else that's worthwhile in life. It's only going to help you if you do it consistently. And you're only going to develop if you continue diligently in it. So in Psalm 39, we're talking about the fact that the tongue has got to be trained or disciplined. And basically, discipline means training by correction, control, and exercise. How many of you know that you've really exercised your tongue over the years? Haven't you? We all have, haven't we? I mean, it's a small member but it boasts great things, doesn't it? Absolutely. And basically, we've been reared up to misuse words and say things that are really not our true desire to ourselves or even toward others. But we're going to get to that in a minute. Here we have in Psalm 39 an illustration. I believe something that will help us, and I believe we can relate to it. The psalmist said... David, that is, I said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. The tongue can sin. I will keep my mouth with a bridle or restraint while the wicked is before me. I was done with silence. I held my peace. Have you ever been there? Even from good. In other words, I didn't say anything and my sorrow was stirred or troubled. In other words, things began to change on the inside of me. And you've been there before. My heart was hot within me. In other words, anger began to rise up. While I was musing, the fire burned. He was doing a slow burn. We talk about it that way. He was doing a slow burn on the inside. He had something on the inside that wanted to get on the outside. How many of you know about that? He had something on the inside he wanted to get on the outside. Did you ever have a warfare like that with yourself? And you told yourself, I'm not going to say it. I'm just not going to say it. And you start walking around. It's musing on, you know, you're, you're meditating on that. It's, you know, you keep thinking about it and thinking about it. I'm not going to mention it. I'm not going to tell the boss. No. I'm not going to tell the boss. I'm not going to tell the boss off. I'm not going to tell the boss. You know, and, and it's just on the inside of you. You're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. 
And you just keep saying that and you keep saying that to yourself, but all of a sudden you're getting hotter and hotter and hotter on the inside. That's what was happening to him. Now listen. My heart, in verse 3, was hot within me while I was musing the fire burned. Then spake I with my tongue. Oops, there it went. Popped right out. Did you ever have that happen? Popped right out. Now, you knew you shouldn't have said it. And you know when you said it, you got yourself in trouble. But you know what? Even after you knew you got in trouble, you stayed with it. You ever been there before? Stayed with it. Now to talk yourself into thinking that you were justified by what you said. Isn't human nature funny? Human nature is funny. That's how we are. We know we're wrong while we're saying it, but still right on saying it. Well, I said it now. I might as well finish it. If I'm going to give it to you, I'm going to give it to you in full length detail. Might as well just spew it all out, right? Then it seems like you can't even control it. You just keep on saying and, and one thing leads to another and you dig yourself a deeper hole as you go along. We've all been there before. You know. Well, he was there also. He was getting hot and then he spake with his tongue. Then he said in verse 4, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am. Time is short here on earth, and human lives are frail. I want to say that again. Time is short here on earth, and human lives are frail. You know the words that we speak can destroy human lives? Did you know that? The Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. The Bible says there is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword. In other words, someone can say something to you and absolutely pierce your heart and destroy your life if you allow it to happen. The thing is, we have got to recognize our own makeup, the way we are. And we've got to also recognize our potential and learn how to develop it. I believe God wants us to know that we can, if we put forth the effort, develop strong faith if we learn how to use our words and if we understand the process of developing the heart and the mouth to agree together as one. But once again, beloved, we see just how weak we are when it comes to doing such a thing. For some reason, there is some sense of satisfaction when we speak our mind and say what we want to say or make our thoughts known. But that is not a sign of maturity. That's a sign of spiritual immaturity. See, God wants us to recognize that and God wants us to do something about it. And that means discipline ourselves. Now, we said discipline is training through correction, number one. We also said control, number two, and exercise, number three. What I want us to do, if you would, please, turn with me to the book of Ephesians in chapter four. And let's look at some things that the Word of God says about the tongue because... The only way we can receive correction is by, I believe, listening to what God has to say about it. Because when we try to correct each other, how many of you know the flesh doesn't like to be corrected? Especially by another. You ever notice that? I said, did you notice that? And did you notice that sometimes it's easier to receive correction from somebody else than someone close to you? Isn't that true also? Amen. 
We all find that to be true. Correction means to mark or remove errors. That's what it means. See, sometimes we have to just define some of these terms so that we can better understand what we're dealing with here. Correction means to mark or remove errors. Now, we know that we're imperfect beings and we know that we have frailties and, and character flaws and all that in our makeup. So, therefore, for us to recognize the need to mark and remove error, errors from our lives shouldn't be something that we should take offense to. True? Especially if God's the one who points out the fact that we've got some errors to deal with in our lives. Well, let's let the Word of God speak to us and, and touch our hearts. And I believe that as we listen to what God says about these things, they will impact our lives. And then the individual from within can make his or her own decision to pursue excellence in faith. In Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to read a little bit from the Amplified Bible here. With regard to removing errors from the things that we say, God says right here in verse 29 of chapter 4, by His Spirit, let no foul or polluting language, this is the Amplified Bible, or evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth. Now that's pretty strong. Wouldn't you say that's pretty strong? Absolutely. Now you know that we've all been guilty of that. Haven't we? Certainly we have. But you see, God's not putting us down for having done such a thing. All He wants us to do is mark these things and remove these things. You see, beloved, it's not a matter of doing wrong. It's a matter of doing wrong and continuing to do wrong. It's a matter of not marking these things and making corrections in our lives. If we want to grow and develop, we've got to be big enough and humble enough to say, you know what, Lord, I fall short in this area of my life right here. And I'm asking you to help me in this area of my life so that I can overcome and learn how to tame my tongue and use it for gain. We can set the course of our lives, beloved, for good, for righteousness and for truth and for health and healing, and also to express the power of God through our lives. But the thing is, we've got to line up with God's program and do it the way He wants it to be done. And faith is an important part of receiving from God and being used by God. And the tongue is a very important part of faith. Without a doubt. We've already learned that many times over. But once again, correction is necessary with regard to training us so as to overcome the misuses of the tongue. Evil speaking, he is saying right here, is a no-no. That's what he's saying. Let no foul or polluting thing... The, the King James says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Isn't that what it says? Well, what is corrupt communication? It's evil speaking. Now listen carefully. Using our tongue to talk about the faults and failures of others who are not present is called evil speaking. Or pronouncing, let's say, bad things upon people is evil speaking. I mean, we hear people in the world all the time cursing other people. Isn't that true? And you know, some of that, lang some of that language can become pretty foul. Well, beloved, it's not just talking about using curse words. It can also mean that we don't use other kinds of words that are not necessarily curse words, but words that are not edifying 
and words that don't produce good as far as expressing yourself about someone else or even toward yourself. So evil speaking is a no-no and we've got to mark that down and remove that from our lives. Don't allow that to become a part of our vocabulary. Well, someone says, well, I don't understand the need, you know, to be so concerned about that. It will hinder the faith life. This is so important, beloved. In other words, we have got to get serious in these important areas so that we can take heed to these things and allow God to have a greater work in and through our lives. And one major thing is the tongue is not to be used for evil speaking. Because if we want to speak words of power, words of faith, words of healing, words of deliverance, words that will be effective in accomplishing the purpose of God's will, we can't, as James said, let sweet and bitter waters be produced through our lives. In one breath, we bless God. In the next breath, we curse men. And all curse means is to speak evil of. If someone rubs you the wrong way and someone is not to your liking... And maybe you've got to work with that person. Or you may live by that person. We are not to speak evil of that person. I mean, that's what the Word of God says. We are not to speak evil. We are to speak things that will edify and build up. Can you see this? The more we speak evil of somebody, you know, we can contribute to his evil doing. God wants us to turn that thing around by speaking blessings upon people. I'd rather be a blesser than a curser. You know, you may have cursed before you got saved, but now you bless. I'm going to choose words that will bless my neighbor. I'm going to choose words that will bless my enemy. I'm going to choose words that will be productive in shaping and molding the lives of people. And you know what? You'll be blessed for doing that. You start blessing your enemy, not cursing your enemy. God says you're walking in the epitome of love. Isn't that what he said? Absolutely. You're imitating your Father God, which is in heaven, when you do that. And so am I. Let me finish reading the verse. Let no foul or polluting language, nor evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others, as is fitting to the need and the occasion, that it may be a blessing and give grace or God's favor to those who hear it. You know, in other words, I believe that my words can bless other people. I also believe that my words, even after I'm gone, will continue to live on and bless my children. You speak blessings over your children's lives? Well, as you speak those words, those words are at work for you even when you depart this life. And I believe that God honors that, as He did through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, etc. Well, as we read on in these verses here, you can read right through that. Look at verse 31. Let all bitterness and indignation and wrath, passion, rage, bad temper and resentment, anger, animosity and quarreling, brawling, clamor, contention, slander, evil speaking, evil speaking, abusive or blasphemous language be banished from you with all malice, spite, ill will or baseness of any kind and become useful and helpful and kind to one another. Did you notice this? Evil speaking takes away from our usefulness. Did you hear that? Evil speaking takes away from our usefulness. And this is part of our correction. We have to be aware of these things. We've got to, you know, be made aware of, of the dangers of this kind of speaking so that we recognize the need to bless with our lips and be useful to the body of Christ and kingdom of God. Become useful, helpful, kind of one another 
tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted, forgiving one another readily as, and freely as God and Christ forgave you. So evil speaking, and let, let's make a note of this, as far as God is concerned, should not be practiced among those who become saints. We don't want to talk about the faults and failures of others, and we don't want to speak words that will down other people. And if you become that kind of a person of integrity and tame your tongue to only speak good and wholesome things about people, your spirit man will be trained. And you will notice this. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will begin to speak. And when someone else begins to put somebody else down, do you know what happened to you? That will rub you the wrong way on the inside. And even though the person might be an evil person and they may do wrong, you say, I'm not going to contribute to his evil doing. I'm going to speak some words of blessing. Somebody better do it because he needs help. Amen? A different frame of mind. In Ephesians chapter 5, and now notice uh, verse 4. Chapter 5 and verse 4. We see another kind of speaking that should not be practiced among those that are saints. And once again, you can take anything to an extreme. And I don't believe this is pointing out the extreme. This is just helping us understand some things. In Ephesians 5, 4, neither filthiness nor foolish jesting or talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of things. We need to evaluate what kind of a person we are. If we're always involved in foolish jesting, then once again, our spirit man will be trained in such a way that even the serious things of God might not be so serious. I know sometimes I get accused of being a little bit too serious. I'd rather be too serious than too foolish. You know why? I want my words to work for me. And you see, beloved, it's okay to be humorous at times. It's okay to, to have a little bit of, you know, teasing or that sort of thing. But if we're so carried by that, if that is really a, a mark of our personality, we've got to be careful that that doesn't spill over in such a way that it trains us the wrong way. Because you see, beloved, it takes effort and energy to train the human spirit to believe the things of God. And then the mouth to proclaim those things. I recall Jesus when he had a woman taken, you know, that was taken in adultery brought to him. You know, before he ever answered, he followed a principle. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. And we'll see that scripture in a minute, but... Before he ever answered or said a word to those that accused, what did he do? He began to write in the sand or in the dirt. He thought about things for a while. In other words, he wasn't going to answer carelessly. They were trying to trap him, I understand that. But he wasn't just going to spew out words. He thought carefully before he spoke. What a principle to live by. Foolish speaking getting so involved in jesting and that sort of thing can take away from our faith life. And we don't want to let that happen. I remember one individual saying to another man of God, I can't understand how you know so much Scripture. I can't understand how you can quote the Word of God. It just flows out of you. And the other fellow 
the minister he was speaking to said back to him, well, I could never understand how you can always remember every line of every joke. Think about that for a moment. He said, when it comes to a joke this long, you remember every line. Punchline included. He said, me, I can hear it. It just kind of rolls off me. And when I get to, if I even think about it, I can't even get to the punchline. I just forget the whole thing. He says, what's the difference here? See, you're more interested in telling jokes and you're more interested in learning those things. I'm more interested in learning the Word of God. That's what he was saying. See, see here, it's not, there's nothing wrong with, like I said, humor. And there's nothing wrong with a little bit of teasing. But when you get so caught up and carried away with foolish jesting and you live your life like that, it takes away from your faith life and your development. So there are some things we have to mark and remove from our lives. Not that they're sin, you see. It's not saying that it's sinful. Those things can be inconvenient, the Bible says. In other words, it takes away from your spiritual development. And you don't want that to happen. Neither do I. And then in verse 6, we see another thing about the tongue. Let no man deceive you with vain words. Vain speaking is, it involves building up of self. In other words, glorifying self. A person is vain. All they do is talk about themselves and puff themselves up and, and that sort of thing. And you know, many do that. A lot of people do get caught up in that thing. And what it does, it takes away, once again, from any type of spiritual development that they could obtain or achieve. It also uh, affects them in their faith life because they're more looking at themselves than they are at God. And God doesn't want that. Vain speaking can also hinder us when it comes to our spiritual growth and development and the taming of the tongue. So, under correction, we've got to mark some things and remove some errors from our lives. And if we find ourselves, you know, doing these things... Once again, it just means that we've got to do uh, inventory. We've got to check out ourselves and find out where we're at and what we are doing and what we are saying and then start making some corrections. You know, removing some things from our lives that are not convenient and stop doing some things that are absolutely destructive like evil speaking. And also, what about doubt, unbelief and murmuring? What about doubt, unbelief and murmuring? I want you to turn to Numbers chapter 14 and I want to show you something here so important with regard to the taming of the tongue. A lesson that we should never, never forget. It's very easy to get caught up in doubt and unbelief and murmuring and complaining. Uh, I know none of you probably have never murmured. Have ever mur murmured, rather. None of you have ever murmured, correct? No one has ever complained here about your life. Isn't that true? You're so honest. <laughs> you people are so wonderful. No, we've all murmured and we've all complained. But do you know that in some cases, murmuring and complaining can be a, a strong characteristic in a person's life? That's all they do. Murmur and complain. The spaghetti's too hard. The spaghetti's too soft. He's too tall. He's too short. He preaches too short. He preaches too long. It's partly sunny. It's mostly cloudy. They don't see it partly sunny. They see it mostly cloudy. You know, and it goes on and on and on. And it's just that everything is a burden. 
life is a problem. You know, and we found ourselves going about saying all kinds of things. You know, if we ever recorded all the words that we said in one day, can you imagine that? Get yourself a tape recorder. Take it around, one of those ones you can talk into. Well, talk into that baby all day long. You might get home at the end of the day, put that, play that thing back and go, Oh my, did I say that? You know what? We should do that now before we have to give answer to God. On Judgment Day when He said every idle word that men has spoken. <laughs> Whew, my goodness. That's what an oral discourse is before God. The Bible says that we're going to have to give account of ourselves and that's an oral discourse. Wow. By our words, Jesus said, we'll be justified or by our words, we'll be what? Condemned. You know, and, and here we are thinking, I'm a faith person, man. Boy, by the time you got to the end of that day and listened to that tape over and over again, you thought, where did I come from? You know, that would be good therapy. Not listen to somebody else and what they say, but listen to what I say throughout the course of the day. Honey, you burned a toast. Well, you didn't cut the grass. You know, and it goes on and on. See, faith is a lifestyle. It involves our lives. A training process to teach us spiritual truths. We need to build each other up and edify each other with our words. And our words are powerful as far as building each other up. God does not want us to murmur and complain. Look at what happened to these people in Numbers 14, 27. How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur... Someone says, what's the big deal about murmuring? Murmur against me. Wait a minute. They were talking about Moses. They were talking about Aaron. But God said, no, you were murmuring against me. I'm your God. You're complaining about me. You're thinking I'm not big enough to handle your problems. And all you do is murmur and all you do is complain. Never satisfied. Always look life at life pessimistically. Always down on yourself, always down on your job, always down on what you have, and all that. God wants us to break through all that and come through with a different perspective and start saying, I thank God for what I have. I thank God for the job I have right now. And if you want a better job, then you start thanking God for the job that you have right now. And if you want a better house, start thanking Him for the house that you're living in right now. And if we want better this or better anything else, start praising Him and thanking Him for what He has given you right now. And when we begin to appreciate those things, vocalize those things, I believe our words will get out there and begin working for us instead of against us. And right here, He said, they're murmuring against me. I have heard the murmurings. Oh, how important this is. God hears the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me, say unto them. What were they saying? We have no food to eat. We have no water to drink. We have no place to stay. Now you brought us out here and we're going to die. We want to go in this land of promise because you talked about it to us and all of a sudden there are giants in the land. Now we've got to go out there and try to get through them. We're not big enough to get in there and fight those giants. I mean, look how big they are and look how small we are. They were down on life. They were down on everything. They always found the dark side of everything. As I said before, this is so they murmured and they complained and they murmured and they complained. And this was their lifestyle. You see, it becomes habitual. We develop habits. 
And unconsciously, we could start complaining about every little thing that happens to us in life. And not knowingly, we're spewing out words that are working against us. And words, obviously, that offend God. Because He didn't like their murmurings, did He? Look at the next verse. Say unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Ooh. Wow. That's nasty, huh? Now think about your tape recorder. Listen to all those things that were spoken and have God say to you, Okay, all those things you said, they'll happen tomorrow. Whew. Wow. So speaking doubt, unbelief, and murmuring, you see, as far as God is concerned, is something that we have got to correct. We've got to learn this. I want you to turn to Galatians with me, if you would, please, in chapter 6. And, and this is something I've been wanting to say for a real long time. It's something how, over the years, we can grow and mature and develop in the things of God. When I first got involved in the faith message, there was so much immaturity that it was absolutely mind-boggling. It was harmful and dangerous. People would just pick up on things and have no depth of perception and have no wisdom and just start going around and, and telling people what to do with their lives and all that. And they were very offensive and destroyed a lot of people's faith lives. In the book of Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, with regard to correction and instruction in righteousness, and when we find each other in a fault, here's what we are told to do. It says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you know, foolish speaking and evil speaking and doubt and unbelief and murmuring can be a fault. Boy, that was a hearty amen. <laughs> Did you know that? It can be a fault. Did you know that? It really can. But you know what? You may not view it as a fault. And I may not view it as a fault because it becomes a part of a person's lifestyle and life. And as a result, they don't view it as a fault. It's just the way I talk. It's the way I perceive things and it's the way I speak. But it can be a fault. But now listen. Ye which are spiritual restore such an one in the spirit of meekness considering yourself lest thou also be tempted. When it comes to exposing sins of the tongue and correcting the language of a person the, the choice of words, let's say it that way, it's a, it's a very touchy thing. Very touchy thing. And we need to do it in the spirit of meekness. Why? Because we're all made the same. I may be up on the right words to say with regard to my finances, but maybe I'm missing it in another area of my life. And so I point out somebody else's fault and and more or less come against them for what they're saying and doing, and yet I have a problem or a fault similar in my own life. See, faith involves a wide range in our lives. I remember one time when I first got, like I said, I, I, I learned studying under Kenneth Hagin, went off to Bible school down there. When I was down there, somebody else was studying under someone else. And we saw each other in one of the stores there in Tulsa, and we greeted each other, and then as we were about to depart... I said to the individual, well, you know, take care and have a nice day. 
the person took off going his way and I was going my way, that person chased me down. I mean, ran back. I don't know how far that person got away, but ran back and looked at me and said, don't talk like that. Don't say, do you know what you just told me? I said, yeah, I just said, take care. He said, you just told me to take the worries and the anxieties of life upon my shoulders. I said, I did. Look it up in the dictionary. You shouldn't talk like that. Brother so-and-so said, if someone said that to me, smack him across the face. I said, that's Christian love, isn't it? Well, you smacked me with taking the cares. How many of you know that you can go to extremes? Let me ask you this question. If you don't take care of your body, who's going to take care of it? If you don't take care of your lawn, who's going to take care of it? If you don't take care of your automobile, who's going to take care of it? If you don't take care of your family, who's going to take care of it? You can use the phrase, you can use the term in different ways, in meanings. You know, I, I can see myself saying, Brother, come back here for a moment. I didn't, you know, I didn't leave you the right way. What I meant to say to you was, take the worries, frustrations, and the cares, and the anxieties of life, uh, heap them on your shoulders, and have a nice day. That's what I meant. Well, obviously, that was not what I meant. <laughs> True? We've got to be gentle and in the spirit of meekness, help each other to see truth, but not to the point of damaging someone's life. That person may not catch that revelation for another year down the road. And so you want to very tenderly and in the spirit of love and meekness, help that person begin to see that, you know, speaking doubt and unbelief is a fault. And it is a flaw in our spirituality. And we need to stop speaking doubt and unbelief. You know, as well as I do, that it, look what it did to them. It hindered them from entering into the promised land. True? And it can keep us out of the full blessings of God. But once again, we've got to be very careful how we correct people and how we tell people. And also begin to understand where they may be at. And do it in a tactful way with much wisdom. You know, I've always taught this. You don't start off with wisdom, which is conduct response. You don't always start there, do you? You start with knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. The Bible talks about get knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Knowledge is, is the accumulation of facts. Begin to share with people, like we're doing here tonight, the importance of words. Secondly, that person has got to have his or her understanding opened by the Spirit of God to perceive those facts of knowledge. And that doesn't happen just like that. There is a depth of perception that must be obtained in a person's life. And then the third step is what? Wisdom, which is conduct response. What that means is the application of that truth to their life in a practical way so that they can begin to start speaking out words, that's going, words that will help them in their spiritual life. And in every way, physically, emotionally, etc. Now, there's a whole lot to say about that, but let's move to number, point number two, and that is control. And if you're taking notes, to control means to regulate or to restrain. It means to have power over, just like a regulating device. For example, if you have a, let's say, a family room and you've got a bunch of lights hooked up and you've got them on a dimmer switch, in that dimmer switch, what does it serve to do? It will regulate the amount of energy that flows into those lights, okay? And so you'll have them either brighter or dimmer. That's the whole purpose of it. 
So the control is there and it's used as a restraint. It's used to control or have power over something. We have got to learn that even though we may have the knowledge of something, now we have to exercise control or restraint. We have got to be the ones to do something about changing the way we speak. Why is that so important? Once again, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And if we want to set the course of our lives for righteousness and prosperity and truth and for healing and for health and victory, then we have got to line up with the principles of God's Word. And the Bible says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Wholesome words are a tree of life. And as we speak out words of faith and power, then our, our, those words will rule our lives and dominate what takes place in our lives. The Bible says that we overcome this world by faith. And faith is believing from the heart and saying with the mouth. And so once again, we have got to learn how to regulate the tongue. And it also involves, as I said, the heart. But I want you to look at that verse I quoted earlier first in James chapter 1 and verse 19. How do I begin to regulate the things that I say and control the words of my mouth? We can begin by putting this particular principle to practice. Look at verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Normally, we practice this in reverse. We are quick to get angry and speak and slow to listen. True? You know, why does God want us to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath? Because, you know, beloved, when you hear things, you don't always hear everything immediately. When you hear things being said, when you hear things being spoken, when I'm hearing somebody else speak or trying to receive what is being said, I can not get the full gist of what that person might be saying. And if I respond too quickly, the Bible says only a fool answers the matter before he hears it. He said, but I heard what he said. I wasn't talking about you heard what he said. Did you really hear what he meant? In other words, maybe it didn't come out exactly the right way, but the person is saying something and there's a whole lot behind what the person says. Take time to listen carefully first before a response. And if we practice that in our lives, then it'll slow down our response when it comes to speaking out words that could be detrimental. Think about it. When an argument begins, one starts saying something, and before they get the last word out, the other person starts responding very quickly, saying something to defend themselves, and this thing starts going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, right? Who's taking time to stop and listen? Who cares? I just want to get louder than him or her. I just want to make my point known. And so we don't practice what the Word of God teaches. Let's be swift to hear, slow to speak. You know, I guess we should look at it this way. 
every one of us should maintain this kind of an attitude of heart. I don't believe you want to hurt me. I don't believe that you intentionally want to hurt me. And maybe something you are saying is hurtful, but I don't believe that you intend to hurt me. So I need to take the time and listen to what you're saying. And you know, in some cases, before I ever give a response, I should think about it for a while. And maybe have even some questions answered about it before I give a response. But once again, we're very quick to respond and speak out what our mind is or what our way of thinking. And we may have misheard what was being said or spoken. You can follow what Jesus said in Matthew and Mark and Luke, the parable of the sower. If you follow that illustration that he gave there when it comes to really hearing the Word of God, those that hear and understand and perceive it and know it and act upon it and bring forth fruit, you realize what percentage there is? He talked about the different types of soil. And he said that there are various types of soil, but only one produces results. 25% of the people that hear the Word of God are going to produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. I mean, you think about that for a while. And if you really consider it, only 8% will, somewhere around there, 8% will actually produce 100 fold. If you, if you follow that through. Goodness. Why is that? We're not taking time to really listen to what God is saying. Really take time to, to, to meditate upon what God is saying so that we can perceive it. And then it becomes a reality to our lives. If we really did this with the tongue, beloved, I believe our whole lives would change. Especially in the home. Especially among relationships. People of, you know, in relationships. I'm going to be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. And if I practice that, praise God, I'm going to train myself and control myself. Look at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12. We have another illustration given to us from the Word of God. Here Jesus is the teacher. And He tells us that the mouth can be trained to speak right things. And he says it's important to target the heart of the person. You've got to get to the heart of the matter. In Matthew 12, 33, he says, Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil inside, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, and their hearts were evil, the mouth speaketh. A good man, out of the good treasure, and the word treasure actually means deposits of his heart, brings forth good things. A good man, out of the good deposits of his heart, will bring forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil deposits of his heart, will bring forth evil things. In other words, you ever been around a family where the children are reared up in an atmosphere where they hear mom and dad cussing all the time? Okay? What does the child do? Why? Because it's in their heart. They hear it over and over and over again, and it becomes a part of them. And so they start using the same kind of language. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. That's why God wants us to get His Word 
in our hearts in abundance so we can speak the right things. Now notice as we go on. But I say unto you, oh, let's back up. Verse 35, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart will bring forth good things. An evil man out of the evil deposits of his heart will bring forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word, idle means non-productive, non-working word that man, now notice this, shall speak. If this doesn't make you tremble, I don't know what will. If this doesn't make me tremble before God, I don't know what will. Every idle word, every inoperative, non-productive word that men shall speak, they shall give a, and they shall give account thereof on the day of judgment. Can I have everybody's utmost attention right now? You realize that on the day of judgment for those who, who choose not to do what God says, their own words are going to condemn them. He said the next verse, For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. And they'll be right there before Jesus, and, and they'll question Him and say, well, Now, Lord, I don't understand this. I don't understand why You didn't bless me, or I don't understand why this didn't happen, or I don't understand why I'm going to hell. And you know what He'll say? Sit down in this easy chair. I'm going to open up the curtain. I'm going to give you a play-by-play of your life and listen to what you said. And he'll show you Mary coming along and saying, Hey, Joe, you know that Jesus loves you and wants you to accept Him as your personal Savior and Lord? And you hear yourself saying, I don't believe any of that stuff. I'm not a freak. I'm not a religious freak. And just, get, just don't bother me with all that stuff. I'm just going to do it my own way. I'm good enough. Whatever. And that person will hear his own words. And do you know how piercing that's going to be when a person hears his own words and his own words condemns him? And I believe this to be true also. When it comes to the many blessings that God has provided for us in this life, boy, this is going to be tough, beloved, but I've got to swallow it too. I believe that we deny ourselves of many blessings because we just don't line up in a lot of areas. That's a fact. Here I am saying, you know, God just never does anything like that for me. That's not what God wants us to say. God wants us to recognize this life of faith and begin saying, you know what? It doesn't matter to me what it looks like or what it feels like. I believe that my God loves me and my God's at work for me. And start speaking right things. God wants us to speak right things. He doesn't want us to take this message and just go browbeat people with it and bring them down and start fault-finding and all that in an improper way. He wants us first to take heed to it ourselves and start saying, I'm going to get serious in this thing and I'm going to start watching the things I say. I'm going to watch for evil speaking and I'm going to watch for murmuring. I'm going to watch if all I do is foolishly jest. I'm going to find out exactly where I'm at and I can locate myself by my words and then I'm going to start making some changes in my life because by my words I'll be justified and by my words I'll be condemned. That's what Jesus said. So we have got to realize the need for us, if we're going to control the tongue, to start putting some good things in our hearts. The good treasure of God's Word. Go to the book of uh, Proverbs real quick. And we have one more point to make. In the book of Proverbs. And notice chapter 13.
in verse 2, it says, The man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth. By the fruit of his mouth. A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth. By the words of his mouth. What is the fruit of our mouth? Words. But that's the end result. That's the end product. In other words, I have put some good things on the inside of me in my heart and I'm speaking those things out with my mouth and you know what? I'm going to eat good by the words that I speak. That's what he's saying right here. God is at work in my life. God is showing me the way. God has given me understanding. God has enlightened me. See, I start speaking right things. Or I could be saying, I never know what to do in my life. I have no what direction. I don't know what my direction is. I don't know where God wants me. I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know what God wants me to be. I don't know if I should go here. I don't know if I should go there. Well, can you see what's happening? The very words that I'm speaking right now are working against me. I'm not going to eat good by speaking those kinds of words. I've got to recognize my need, my personal need to say, you know what, God always instructs me. Someone asked me one time, how do you get messages? I said, all I say is, Father, you've called and anointed me to, to, to stand in this office, and you've got to fill my mouth, and you've got to put words in me, and you've got to give me ideas and understanding. I was sitting at my desk the other day when the Lord just kind of dropped some things inside my spirit. But, you know, you think he could have dropped all those things inside my spirit had I been going around saying, you know, I just never know what to preach. I never know what to say. I don't understand it. Why does God want me? I do this three times a week. I've got to come up with a fresh message all the time. And, you know, this is just a burdensome thing and all that sort of thing. And, I, you know, is God going to give me any kind of revelation or whatever? If I keep down-talking myself like that, what am I going to have? Nothing. But if I continue to say, my God supplies all my need, and if I need a message, He'll give me one. Man, I've taken him jogging with me. We get some good messages out there jogging. Some things that ex- and some things are not messages. They're just messages to me, you know. And I enjoy that and I appreciate that. Why? Because I say, God is always speaking to my heart. Someone else says, but I never hear him. Stop saying you never hear him. Start saying, God speaks to me. I know my Father's voice. Hallelujah. A stranger's voice I will not follow. I hear the voice of the Good Shepherd who is always speaking to my heart. Boy, that'll change some things. Do you see the point? Don't go off and teach your neighbor. Start doing it for ourselves. Don't offend somebody else with it. Now, God wants us to put His words in our mouth. Because... Once again, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Blessing and cursing is in the power of the tongue. Good and evil is in the power of the tongue. And listen to this, failure and success is in the power of the tongue. You put the word in your heart and mouth and he told Joshua, you'll have good what? Success in life. Can you say amen? Now, I did this. I put this. We've got this thing here that we put together. We've got this for you. And this is a blessing. I want you to turn to the book of Philemon. I think it's kind of close to filet mignon because it provides a good steak for you. I really do. You know where it's at? Okay, right before Hebrews, right after uh, Titus. And it's only one chapter and verse 6. We need to regulate and restrain. We need to regulate the words that we say and have power over our words and not let our words have power over us. And the way we do that is by feeding the Word of God into our hearts. And if we'll do that, then out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. We've got to be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to rap. And these things will help us regulate our words. And you know what? It also is an advantage to be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues, I guarantee you. 
that will help us control. In the book of Philemon, verse 6, here is where we come to exercise. We must correct, we must control, and then we must exercise, which means, and write it down if you're taking notes, to exert for improvement. To exert for improvement. You know, beloved, this is an amazing thing. I, and I say this oftentimes, but you ever see one of these young person, a young person pick up one of these magazines with an Arnold Schwarzenegger on it? You ever see those? Muscle magazines, and he's flexing, and I mean, he's got muscles on top of muscles, and those muscles had muscles they didn't know they had. And all of a sudden, they're gung-ho about becoming a bodybuilder and a weightlifter, and they're going to look like Arnold. And so, they go into the weight room, maybe at the wire downstairs, wherever they have their weights all set up, and they do curls until their biceps are about to pop out. And they wake up the next day, and they don't look like Arnold. They don't look like Arnold. Why? It doesn't work by doing it one time. That's why. There's a whole lot involved to get to looking like Arnold. Do you see the point? A whole lot is involved. Exercise is putting forth effort or exerting oneself for improvement. But it's not going to show up immediately. Here's where Christians get discouraged with their confession of faith. It doesn't show up always immediately, but if you'll continue doing it diligently, eventually you'll get developed and develop into not an Arnold, but a Jesus type figure. Okay? Now listen. That the communication of my faith may become effectual. How? By the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. How did Paul say a person's faith will become effectual? By my acknowledging every good thing which is in me in Christ Jesus. And how often do we do that? How often does the child of God take the time to do something like that? See? If you hear the average person talk, they're not talking about the, every good thing that is in them in Christ Jesus. They're talking about every bad thing that's happening around them in the world today and in their lives. So, we put together something for you. And you'll find it in our bookstore, but not tonight because it's closed. And you can pick one of these up. It's called the Confession of Faith. And please, this is not intended to be misused. This is a help. Something to help the individual develop. All it is is the putting together of certain scriptures, starting with Philemon 1.6, that will help a person who is new maybe to the faith or doesn't understand what the scriptures teach and say, it will help that person control the tongue, correct it, control it, and exercise it. Just listen to some of what it says. According to Philemon 1.6, that the communication of my faith may become effectual by my acknowledging every good thing which is in me in Christ Jesus, I am now releasing my faith by confessing this to be the greatest day of my life. Does the average person wake up and say, this is the greatest day of my life? We've got to train ourselves. This is the day the Lord hath made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm a recreated being. Old things have passed away. 
All things have become new. I'm created in God's glorious image and likeness. I'm His workmanship. I'm complete in Christ. I'm full of His Spirit and divine power. I have the fruit of His Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, meekness, temperance, and faithfulness. I humbly submit myself to the authority of God's Word, for He and His Word are one. I'm obedient to His commandments. He enlarges my capacity to receive revelation, knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and ability of everything that pertains to life and godliness. I've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm free from the curse of the law. Sin, sickness, fear, doubt, worry, poverty, confusion, all that Satan represents has no power over me. What this is, is an exercise. It's like going downstairs, you know, and lifting your weights. Or going to the gym, or doing your aerobics, or going for a jog, or whatever. This is not intended to become something that's bondage to anybody. It is something to help a person. You know what? If you can only retain 10% of what's on these sheets, it'll revolutionize your life. That's how you get things on the inside. Here's a never again list. I'm not going to say I can't because I can do all things to Christ who is the strength of my life. We have a choice in the matter, don't we? What do you say about it? I say I can do all things. But I'll tell you what, if you played back your tape recorder and if I played back mine, can we imagine how many times we said, well, I just can't do that and I just can't do this and I just can't do that. Well, I can't, honey. Oh, yes, you can. You, you, I, 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 right now, some, I can see some wheels turning. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.